Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Emory Continuing Education offers many certificate programs related to the practical application of machine learning, data science, advanced Python and Tableau, and other analytics tools and methods. These applied programs leverage experienced executives, academics, and practitioners with advanced degrees to deliver these Saturday courses typically taught in around 10 weeks. Learn more about the emerging technology programs at Emory Continuing Education to help boost your career advancement at ece.emory.edu. I hope you enjoy this episode of Tag Data Talk. Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright and welcome to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Scott Clendaniel, and we're talking about encouraging model adoption among the executive suite and beyond. Thanks for being here, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Awesome. So let's start off with a little background about who is T. Scott Clendaniel. Tell us, why are you so cool? <laughs> yeah, don't I wish. Um, why am I so cool? Uh, because I'm too stupid to know when to give up. <laughs> and so for the first half of my career, people told me I couldn't do this because they didn't have a PhD in statistics. And the good yeah. news is, is that stopped. And in the second half of my career, they tell me I can't do this because I got, don't have a PhD in computer science. So at least they changed the reason. But uh, I, I am too stupid to know when to give up, so I'm still here. Isn't that kind of true with penguins? And they, they live in the Antarctic and they just can't give up. It's so cold yeah, and it's such a miserable <laughs> environment, but they still live there. So good for you. You can Absolutely. be penguin. That's awesome. So um, for real, tell us a little bit about your background. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, my name is Scott Klein Daniel. I've been in the industry since 1986. I started out in financial services, went into data science consulting for 16 years then went to Morgan Stanley, and I'm currently at Franklin Templeton as the lead data scientist. Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and so when we're talking about encouraging model adoption, I hear people talk yes. about this all the time, especially as a consultant. We, you know, we sort of get to dip into a company, see what's going on, and then we kind of come back later, and then we see these other companies, and we start recognizing patterns um, among what our clients say. And one of the things I hear about all sure. the time is this idea of model adoption. So what do you, when you use that phrase, tell us, what does it mean um, we talk about adopting I think, model? Yeah. I think model adoption has two connotations, neither of which our field is doing particularly well at, at the moment, which is a little concerning. One is, did the model reach production? Is it actually scoring records? Is it actually providing decisions and insights who people might want to see? That's the first component. The second component, which goes on, goes beyond that, is do people buy into the model? Do people feel comfortable with it? If it is a model that's presented to the sales force, are they actually using the input? And you'd be surprised how many times that doesn't happen. So it requires both of those components. Mm -hmm. And I think the first problem is both people and technical, but the second problem is definitely people. I see. I got you. Okay, so the... That's very interesting. I've actually never heard anybody describe it that way. So model adoption um, can have kind of two paths, one being like from a technology standpoint, right. if, the, if the model's in production, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's been adopted because that second Correct. path is the, um, the cultural 
you know, sort of almost emotional. Can I say that? The affective. I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, true adoption means that people are comfortable with it Mm -hmm. and people will use it and they're willing to come back and say, hey, could we improve this or could I have a different type of model for a different type of problem? Yeah. Now, is it possible to have, um, I guess it's possible to have technology adoption without the cultural, but is it possible the other way? Yes, there is. In terms of internal clients, everyone buys off on the model and says, yes, this is great. Um, but then technology, I've done, I see. Yeah. You can do the proof of concept from a technology point of view and then find out that they actually can't score the records the way you want them to be. I I'll see. give you a quick example. You can have everybody who's really thrilled with the results of a test uh, fraud model. But if you're doing like online fraud detection, you usually have like sub-second response time yeah. to be able to provide a decision. And if you've created a deep learning model that takes seven minutes to render a score, the people internally can be happy with the outcome of it, but it's never going to get technolo- It's never going to get past the technology barrier. Yeah. So you can have an emotional and like, oh man, we yeah. dig this and this is great and we're going to do it, but then you can't actually do it. You know, so yeah. maybe... Um, which one do you think is harder, by the way? Um, I think there are several techniques you can use to get around the technology barriers. Mm-hmm. Relatively, I'll give you a simple example. If you use a rule induction or a decision tree, you can actually code that in a SQL query. Right. Put it in a database view. And so that you don't necessarily need to have the same type of adoption you would need as, you know, like, containerizing something in Docker or Kubernetes or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So they're, they're both required for true full adoption, but they're distinct in nature in that one is more technology enabled and the other one is more cultural yeah, they're, mind they're, shift, that sort of thing. There are two quotes that sort of come to mind that together put us all in a bind. One is people fear what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And people hate that which they fear. Hmm. Um, if you take those two together, if you haven't gotten buy-in yeah. from everyone who comes in contact with the model, you're not going to get adoption. Uh, and people are actually going to be afraid and hate the model. Wow. So, so not only is uh, it not benefiting, issue. yeah, it's like actually hurting. And that brings us to the, um, the second big point sure. that we want to talk about, which is why in the world would someone, <laughs> I mean, these are not cheap things to develop, right? So uh, if someone's paying, like, I know, you know, not that we're the most expensive out there, but it's not nothing to create a model. No. And and so if you're going to go through the trouble and take the time and pull the data and build the model and create a solution, why in the world would we not adopt it? You also mentioned, too, um, we're, we're poor at this. What, what the heck? What's going on? Like, what are the barriers that are stopping? Yeah. Well, Gartner's indicating that 85% of all models never reach production. 85%. 85%. So I don't know, and VentureBeat indicated it was 87%. So there are multiple resources out there saying, we're not doing a really good job at this. And I don't know of a whole lot of fields that can survive with a 15% success rate. And I think that one of the biggest issues is the fact that there's a big urge among several of us in the field that they wanna have the big reveal. They wanna treat this like a reality show and they wanna go off for six months and they wanna build the model and do all the testing and optimize the hyperparameters and all that stuff's really good. And they come back and say, isn't this a fantastic model? 
And then the internal or the external client was likely to say, that's the wrong dependent variable you have to start over. Or you've taken so long, the situation has changed. Or we don't use that product anymore. And because you didn't tell us you were still working on this, you didn't know to stop as you went along. So if you can get out of the reveal mindset and work more on the collaboration mindset, I think you're much more likely to have a success on your hands. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, several things that I wanted to try to bullet. Okay. So one is um, you mentioned fear early on and there's, um, there's the fear of kind of not understanding or not knowing, like we're going to make huge decisions based on this yep. convolutional neural net. And I don't necessarily understand, you know what I'm saying? Like people sure. don't, may not feel comfortable um, living their entire world on an algorithm that they don't understand how it was built. Right. There's also the barrier of the mindset that we're going <laughs> to have a big reveal. <laughs> I, there should be no surprises. Like there should be incremental. You it, know? This is not the Swan TV show. That's okay? right. <laughs> like we're not supposed to have this big reveal. Like it's disappear for 12 right. weeks. We say like, oh, ta-da, here it is. Yep. So that's got um, that's got to be a big barrier is just that mindset of um, of having the sort of stockpiling the insights and then all of a yep. sudden dumping them all. Maybe that's too yep. much. Also, you mentioned um, the the speed. If it takes twelve weeks, I mean, good grief! I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, but imagine yep. what January was like compared to like April of twenty twenty. Absolutely, like completely different, you know, world. So if the if the speed's not really there, the business context could completely change. And you also mentioned, um, you know, they come back and say like, that's not even the problem we're trying to solve, yeah. which is a huge issue. It's actually one of the uh, other recordings that we're doing very soon is around this topic of what, we didn't even understand the problem to begin with. And so we went off and did our little math and came back with this cool solution. And it was the wrong problem to begin with. And it happens a lot. And it's not because people are stupid. And it's not because people are trying to sabotage the process. It can be as simple as we pick the wrong dependent variable, or of course, you should know that we can't sell that product in Alaska, or yeah. there are all sorts of um, subject matter expert components to the implementation, yep. which is why as much as you may not like it, you really need to get buy in, you need to figure out who your stakeholders are, you need to figure out what their role is. And you need to get your, their buy-in on the front end. What's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the data we're going to use? What are the standards for performance? How are we defining the dependent variable? How are we defining success? Mm -hmm. Those are the questions to get answered before you start doing EDA or whatever data visualization process you want to use. It's right. not something you're supposed to figure out on the back end. Well, no wonder we have 85% failure. I mean, that's a lot of factors that we just listed off. We rattled fear, the reveal mindset, the changing context and the, the speed of, of the speed of development of a model. Yep. And we talked about the business, um, understanding the business problem to begin with. So that's a, that's a lot of issues. And other than that, it's really easy. Other than that, it's a piece of other cake. Than that <laughs> Walk in the park. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do we? I mean, you 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 just mentioned a few strategies, but what do we do with all this? Like, I mean, it's it's several things that have to happen in order to enable that technology and enable that culture sure. of adoption. But what? Just what are some of your top strategies to um, kind of make this happen? Well, this is going to sound really boring, but I use a checklist, and oh. what I do is I. Um, go in for a meeting and I'll, and I'll ask basically the questions that I just asked you, I'll ask on 
whoever my internal or external client is and say, hey, you know, I just want to walk through this. Let me tell you what not to do. Do not carpet bomb your internal or external client with an email that says, would you please answer the following 17 things? Because you will never get a response and everything grinds to a halt. You need to set up a meeting and you basically need to be the reporter. You need to be the interviewer. You need to be the person who's helping the other person guide through the process. This is not a list of gotchas. This is a list of ways that you're trying to help them to make sure that they're successful. And you need to take that mindset. You need to take that approach. Your role is to help them. And you help them by getting clear answers to these questions. And if they don't know the answers to the question, that's fine. But you need to set up a time frame and say, okay, who do we need to talk to? When might we have an answer on this question that you don't know the answer to right now? And um, that is not the sexy part of data science, but it's the part that helps you get over the gold line. You know, what's interesting is um, we're, we're talking about model adoption. There's like an eagle outside. I've never seen this. Awesome. Crazy. Uh, you can keep that in, Luther, because people might enjoy knowing that there's an eagle outside of my window. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a sign, Scott. But what's interesting is we're talking about model adoption. And if you think about the life cycle of a data science project or initiative, adoption, you would think, usually comes at the end. And almost everything that you're talking about right now is early, early, early stage before we even get the data. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, what am I misreading Absolutely. this? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, okay. And you, I can tell you that I've been doing this for so long, I have a litany of ways to do this wrong. <laughs> and I can tell you, I have a wide selection, all sorts of recommendations. I've seen, I've seen, it do. makes you feel any better. I've seen there a lot of people do this wrong, so. <laughs> so, but the answers are usually pretty simple. Um, if you start on the front end and try and get buy-in and also find out who needs to sign off on this model, mm -hmm. whose signature needs to be on the form before we can put the model into place. And if you haven't talked to that person before you started looking at data, you're running a risk. Mm -hmm. You're talking um, a lot about people in this. Yep. Are you trying to say Absolutely. data science is, is kind of a people thing? It's <laughs> <laughs> a dirty little secret. Um, some of our fine brethren did not go into data science because they love people a lot. They went into data science because they like to do analysis and they like to find patterns and that type of thing. Yeah. But again, the dirty secret is data science is about people. You need to solve real world problems from real people. Um, the data and the techniques and the algorithms are tools to help you along that pathway. But at the end of the day, you need to identify a need and help solve it. Great. That sounds so simple. Why, why is this so difficult? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I hear you. Okay. Um, another thing I wanted to point out in there in, in terms of, uh, if you think of new product development and they have like the phased gate technique, like yes. you do the first part of the project, but you can't go any further than this point until we get this decision. Yep. And then you do go to the second phased gate. Yes. You have to cross these criteria. I have had it, uh, situations with clients where we just do the EDA on the front end and we go back to the client and say, hey, here's what, the, here's what we found. Well, how did you even know what data to use though? Well, they uh, were usually past the point where we asked the first set of questions that mm -hmm. I just gave out on the checklist and we've recorded mm -hmm. all that stuff down. We've obtained some data and we'll go to them. And you'll be surprised how many times somebody go, oh no, you've got you know, the XYZ data in there. We can't use that, it's a regulatory issue. Oh, 
peace out. We can fix this and yeah. take that information out. But if you don't set the process up like that, you can go all the way to the end and then find out that you had the XYZ data in there and you've got a compliance issue. So that's why using that phased gate approach mm -hmm. and sort of checking in with folks as you go along. I've had other situations where there will be a revelation that is so surprising right. or has been so counter to what they expected. They'll say, okay, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't the project we want to solve. We need to drill down on this before we go any further. And you may find that you've identified a bigger issue or a bigger opportunity that doesn't require a model, but that needs to be fixed first. Wow. Because again, you're showing to people, what is the problem you're trying to solve? They think they know, you come back with a revelation. They're like, oh, that insight tells me that I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Yeah, I don't think many data scientists are trying to find ways to not do data science. So that's a very interesting Absolutely. perspective because they may look at it. If you really look at the business problem, it may not be something that's solvable or that should yeah. be handled in a data science kind of way. Um, I mean, that's few and far between, but it's totally possible. But th I think your point is that you're focusing on the actual problem that you're trying to solve. Right. So it sounds like the the big nugget that we should take away from this is the upfront stuff that has to happen. So my last question on this before I go to the, the, the last question of our series here is, um, how do you create these questions, sir? How do you come up with, I'm assuming that this took you, you've been in the business like 30 something years. Forever. The dinosaurs were doing data science. With my stone started. tablets and my abacus, That's right. yeah. <laughs> like, ching, ching, ching. Here's your algorithm. Um, That's right. Ching, um, but how, how does one develop this you know, reporter? You called it like be a reporter. How do you develop that list, that dialogue? Um, I just built it over time after a, a list of things that go wrong. And what I can try and do is, is come up, uh, I can send something to you and maybe you can share with folks who are interested. Um, and then we will go from there. But that could be a list that they start with uh, in terms of those questions. Okay. Um, but and you it, mentioned, you mentioned to give people some jump start. You mentioned yeah. like, how are you going to actually use this? Who are going to be the primary Project the future into the present. Begin with the end in mind. All those things, that, there really is a purpose for those sayings. They're, you know, how does a cliche become a cliche? <laughs> right. Um, All the W questions. And yep. you mentioned, um, how do you define success? And what is it you're trying to, like, what decisions are you trying to make? So there's a yep. starting point. Um, those are awesome. There's also a framework. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Scott, but um, it's by a book called Behind Every Good Decision. By yes, I have heard that. Yeah, cool. And it's got a Bader, B-A-D-I-R, a batter. I think she calls it batter. Looks like Bader to me. Not yeah. to be confused with David Bader at New Jersey Institute of Technology. <laughs> but it goes through like a, a set of steps of um, questions, almost like what you're describing. So that might be another starting point. But I think personalizing it the way you've done is um, probably the right way um, the right way to go. Because, of course, it's the Scott way. So it's got to be the right way. Cool. Okay, last question. Um, so let's say that you've been massaging and working on this company and, and now they're like, man, we don't want to be in the 85%. We want, we yeah. want to be one of the companies that adopts at least 50%, like for crying out loud, let's at least get yeah. to 50. And so they're, they think they're making some progress, but how do you know, how do you know when you've won, when it comes to model adoption, what are the signs? How does this manifest itself? Um, let me give you a, a concept and then we'll give some examples. But the concept is um, in marketing, there's a theory called push marketing versus pull marketing. 
push marketing is I've got this brand new cell phone that I want to sell you. And here's all the reasons why. Uh, pull marketing is, gee, I'm having problems accessing my email. And sometimes I'm on the road and I can't get to a computer. So I'm going to use, you know, my smartphone to do that. You want people coming to you asking you for the solution. And uh, to give you a quick example, if I had a predictive model for a sales force that allowed them to predict how to maximize their commission, their sales commission, and they had three people in the department that this has already worked really well for, people will scram be scrambling over top one another to get access to that predictive model. Why? Because what's in it for them? It's something that's very important to them. Right. What are the pain points in your organization and how do you solve those? Um, once upon a time, I would go to folks and say, you know, what's your annual bonus based on? And people would be like, hmm, yeah, I really don't want to discuss them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine, fine. So I changed it. If you had to guess, what is your boss's bonus based on? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, let me tell you, in this organization, you got to do this and you got to do that. And they're just crazy about this number. And okay. They're willing to talk about that. <laughs> they're willing to talk about that. And that's a pain point. Yeah. Because someone in the organization up higher than you has decided that whatever is the issue. It's a wonderful way to open the floodgates yes. in terms of getting some insights on what is really key. And that's a good place to start to say, maybe we should start with that, or maybe we should take a look at that. Maybe yeah. we should, yeah. So focus on what they're focusing on for once, right? Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that when your partners become proactive and that they're seeking you out, like you're not, yes. you're not saying like, hey, we got these cool insights. Hey, we could do this cool algorithm. Hey, we could, well, yes. we could solve this cool problem. They're coming to you. I mean, they're falling over themselves trying to get to you and say, hey, I, I, I know your power. I understand the power of data science. I know what you can do. So that's how you know you've won is that Absolutely. your advice is sought and they're coming after you. That's great. That's great. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, again, not what I thought you would say. I thought you'd say like, oh, well, they're using the stuff. That's not enough. You know, it isn't. It isn't enough. It sounds like if, even if they're using the stuff, you know, from a technology or even from an um, a operational or tactical perspective, you want it we'll to be We'll walk in their that. shoes. What are, what are they concerned? What are they afraid of? They're afraid that they're going to lose their job. Yeah. And they're going to be replaced by a model. They're afraid that they're going to lose their ability to make their own decisions, mm. that they're going to lose their autonomy. And they're afraid of being embarrassed that the model makes better decisions than they made prior to that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those are all, those are all real concerns. Yep. So you need to approach it as here is a tool that can help you get your job done and look like a star. Right. I'll tell you another thing that helps to lower barriers is if you go and you say, I want to prove this model can make better decisions, you're fighting an uphill battle. Oh, gotcha. If so don't, instead, don't, don't, don't do it as a competitor. Like mm, this, mm, mm. What it. you say is, you know, I'd like to run a test to see if a machine learning model could help provide any insights to you. Mm. Okay, so now the test is, is this useful to you? Is it right. the well, support? they have 100%. Yes. Support thing. Like, can I Absolutely. help support your decision making as opposed to here's your decision making, here's the model decision making, let's put them head to head. Right. Very different perspectives. And also, it, you're, it becomes testing machine learning whether, it can, and there will be situations where machine learning will not solve the problem. Yeah. You need to be prepared for that. Right. You need to make them comfortable with that. And that's an easier sell. Intriguing. Thank you.
Thank you, thank you. Last question, I promise. <laughs> I think I said that two questions ago. But what final piece of advice would you give to an analytics professional trying to encourage model adoption in their organization? It's probably, again, not going to be the one you suspect. Um, <laughs> it is that arrogance is poison. If you come into a situation that you have a set of knowledge that someone else doesn't have, that is not helping your case. You're intimidating that person. Oh. And if you come across as arrogant, you are really digging your own grave. You need to be there to assist people, to help people. Just because you know how to build a model mm -hmm. you know, does not mean you're the bee's knees. You need to come in with an attitude of support, help, and guidance, not an attitude of I'm better than you because I know how to do X, Y, or Z. Right, awesome. That's very good advice. Thank you so much You're to T. Scott Clendaniel for talking to us about encouraging model adoption among the executive suite and beyond. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.